Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith, Edinburgh. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday morning service held on March the 6th, 2022. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please go to www.stjamesleith.org.uk. Good morning everybody, welcome to St James on this beautiful morning, whether you're at home or in the building, you're very welcome, all are welcome here, Um, wherever you've come from, a nice surprise this morning, some friends from a foreign country come up from down south to to see us, it's great to see you, Um, so whether you're at home or here, you're very welcome. Um, We are um, first Sunday of Lent, Um, so while we move into the new season, do look at the space around us. Ian will say a bit about it later on. Um, and notice the space between things, a thing to look out for. So well done those, including friends from Lars, who, who did the work on, on that. So um, as, we, uh, as we start our service, we're going to start in a wee minute. Um, but before we do, let's prepare ourselves. We're going to make a transition in a minute from... All that this morning has held, all the circumstances of this morning in your life, and maybe also the circumstances of a very troubled week for a lot of people. So we're going to make that transition from that in a wee moment to spending just over an hour worshipping God together. to our confession and absolution. Daring to open to God, each other and ourselves, we offer in silence the gift of our imperfection and we acknowledge our part in the pain of the world. Come home to yourself and to each other. 
may all that is unfree in you and between any of us be released. And may you and we blossom into a future graced with love. Amen. Today's first reading from the Bible is the book of Romans, chapter 10, beginning at the 8th verse. The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart, and so is justified. And one confesses with the mouth, and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hear what the Spirit says to the church. Thanks be to God. This morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. Glory Glory to Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up 
and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the gospel. Good news for all. Let us pray. Loving God, uh, during this service today and throughout Lent, help us to find time and space to just stop and to listen and to be. Amen. So, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the importance of welcome and providing a sense of belonging so that people can be their authentic selves and feel accepted and loved. And it's what I call a, a journey of ho homecoming that I think, for me, the Christian journey is about, is this um, homecoming. And this homecoming involves a journey of coming home to oneself and we've talked about a radical acceptance of, our, of ourselves, which is always a hard uh, journey to be on. The journey of coming home to God and opening up uh, to God's radical acceptance of us. And finally, the journey of a radical acceptance of others, however different uh, they may be. And I think there's often a beautiful softness and gentleness uh, about this journey. And there are words in the Bible, uh, Jesus' words, Come to me, all who are heavy laden. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the story of Jesus' baptism where he experiences his own belovedness. And I think those words help us on our journey of self-acceptance and God's radical acceptance of us. But today, I want to talk about another equally important part of the Christian journey, which is the journey of transformation. And it's very closely interlinked with the journey of homecoming. But it's often a tough road with harder edges, and one that needs the foundation of God's radical love and acceptance, and our own radical love and acceptance of our deepest self. That's the baseline. Um, so it's no coincidence that Jesus is led into the desert after his baptism 
on this journey of radical transformation in which he emerges a different person in many ways with a clearer sense of his calling and a new authority. And this deep transformation takes place in what anthropologists call liminal space, which is the space betwixt and between events, experiences and places. It's when you've left one place and you've not quite entered uh, another place. And part of the, the concept of, of this art, uh, the visual arts group, we get together and we uh, talk about concepts. And one of the concepts was celebrating this idea of the space between. So Carol uh, Marples created this um, mobile. And the idea really is that uh, the space between, the movement between the objects is as important as the objects themselves. So it's a celebration really of this idea of the space between, uh, between us, um, between the words we say being as important and very important. And it's in these in-between times that we often feel powerless, not in control, and uncertain. So the times might be waiting in a doctor's surgery for a diagnosis, the times when we're unable to help our children or a friend, times when we feel overwhelmed and anxious. And I think COVID was a classic case of liminal space. We were often left in this in-between space where we couldn't maybe do the things that had given us a sense of identity and meaning. And one of the best ways of avoiding liminal space is to be quick, efficient, successful, and goal-orientated. Uh, all good things in, in the right context. But if you're like me, when I'm not in this mode of being, uh, I often feel a bit useless I often feel that they're a bit of a waste of time because I'm not doing, I'm not achieving, I'm not producing, I'm not earning. But increasingly, I've come to value these unproductive times, which are often a catalyst for change, of transformation, certainly in my life. And having done spiritual accompaniment and direction, I've seen that in the lives of other people. I celebrate when they're being productive and they're doing wonderful things, and it's great but suddenly my ears are tuned when things are not so when things get difficult and they're in this in between space that's when i kind of know that transformation is on the cards is is on the there so for example easter saturday an empty unproductive time when the disciples and followers of jesus feel lost and abandoned become as important in their journey of transformation as good friday and Easter. And uh, I think I've uh, left it, but uh, Richard Carter's book here uh, that we're studying, he talks about much of the Bible being about waiting. He says, through scripture there's a longing uh, to return and waiting. There's waiting for freedom in Egypt, waiting in the desert to discover the promised land, waiting in Babylon to return, waiting for the Messiah, Zechariah and Elizabeth waiting for, the uh, for a child. Simeon and Anna waiting to see salvation. Jesus waiting in Nazareth for his ministry to begin. John the Baptist waiting for the one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
Israel waiting for the Messiah and the bridegroom, the soil waiting for the seed, uh, the man waiting for 38 years for healing by the pool of Bethsaida, waiting for forgiveness, waiting at the foot of the cross, waiting at the tomb, so on and so on. Huge amounts of scripture are about this liminal space, this waiting uh, and this in-between time. And various cultures all through the world and throughout history have created initiation ceremonies, rites of passage, based on liminal space, creating liminal space to facilitate growth, transformation, maturity, wholeness, wisdom, and integration back into the community and also the cosmos, into nature and the universe. And during these, particularly during these in-between times, uh, for instance, the transition between adolescence and adulthood, and particularly for young men, because they realize the danger of young men if this transition hasn't been done successfully. And I look at a lot of our political leaders, and I wonder if Putin and Boris Johnson, if they'd had (laughs) good initiation ceremonies and a transition, we might not be in the mess we're in. And personally, I actually did go on a similar um, uh, rites of passage when I was about 40-odd as a priest. Um, and one, we, we went out into nature and we literally drew a little square. We found a space and we stayed there for the whole day. And that day probably is, was more transformative than all my biblical training, all my theology um, I've got a little notebook and I go back to it and it's a really for, formative um, time uh, for me that really was the foundation of my, uh, a lot of uh, my ministry and I always again think um, the church might be a different place if priests and ministers had that kind of thing integrated into their training. And because of that, I think it's just worth spending a little time this morning understanding and learning the process of uh, these rites of passage. The key is you take the the initiates out of their familiar environment. You take them away from their homes and their community and you place them in liminal space where role and status are uncertain where control and certainties are diminished. And the space is often in nature where there's a sense of the individual not being the center of the world, but actually part of something bigger. Then in this liminal space, there is a kind of symbolic death is experienced. And the initiate is led to the edges of their normal resources. They're rendered powerless, stripped of their false illusions, and taken down to their deepest core self. And it often takes the form of extended times in solitude, silence, and sometimes fasting, the desert being a classic place of liminal space. All experiments in powerlessness surrender under stimulation and under performance. And then a new birth, life emerges, and when ready, the initiate is integrated back into the community and here the interior change in the 
initiate is honoured by the community and they're given new status, often a new name and dignity and authority and they give back to the community. And always in these traditional cultures, this precious transformation is understood as something given, not earned. So it's a, a grace. Now Jesus' 40 days and nights in the desert follows a very similar pattern to this, and I think is essentially a rites of passage in liminal space, preparing and transforming him for ministry and the way of the cross. It was in the desert where Jesus confronted by what Richard Raw called the four Ps. Now, does anyone, can anyone guess what they think the four Ps might be? Put you on the spot. Any, any four Ps that Jesus is letting go? Power. power. Thank you. Power. So power is one. Prestige, another. Possessions and performance. Four things that I think can all give us a false sense of our true selves. So, Jesus is, the devil tempts Jesus and says, make this stone become bread, power and performance. Then, it's interesting, all, all these uh, temptations are, off, are all about ascent. Then the devil leads Jesus up and tempts him by offering him dominion over the kingdoms of the world. Possessions, power and prestige. And then the devil takes him to the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem saying, if you are the son of God, throw yourselves down from here. Performance and prestige. And you have these wonderful one-liners back from Jesus. Um, Man, woman cannot live by bread alone. Worship the Lord God and serve him only. Do not test almighty God. So Jesus instead lets go of these things. And, and any one of those things would have basically scuffered his way of the cross and Good Friday. If, he'd, you know, if the power had been an issue, if he hadn't dealt with that, possessions, wealth, um, performance, all those things he needed to deal with before he set his sights on Jerusalem and a different way of being the Messiah. So Jesus lets go of these things and chooses the path of powerlessness, servanthood, humility, and reliance on God the Father. And later Jesus, as teacher, continually led his disciples into liminal space, withdrawing from the crowds and going to mountains and across lakes. So he was teaching the disciples the importance of liminal space all the time. Similarly, I think we need to break into our sense of practicality, our sense of function from time to time, to set aside time to be still, to wait, and to be. And although these times can feel difficult, if we stay there long enough, they can be valuable and transformative, the ultimate teachable space, where we are not at the steering wheel, so that God, the divine, can have a chance to speak to us and to direct us. And although we don't have in our culture really so many specific rites of passage, Lent, along with other religions, Ramadan, meditation in Buddhism, are attempts to create liminal space. The three traditional dis uh, disciplines of Lent, fasting, 
almsgiving and prayer are ways of taking ourselves out of our, taking us out of ourselves. Fasting takes us away from our body. Almsgiving takes us away from our own needs and f- helps us focus on the needs of others. And prayer helps us to focus on God. And Lent is also a time of letting go. We had a, a beautiful Ash Wednesday service labyrinth, which was a journey, and part of the journey was a letting go. A letting go of resentments, of anger, addictions, our false images of both ourselves and of God, and of our need to be in control. And one way of letting go is, is also celebration and, and laughter. Uh, Lent does not always need to be a time of somberness and uh, um, reflection, although that is important. So in our culture of business, achievement, doing, perhaps the most important thing we can do this Lent is just to stop and be still and just be. Find time, five minutes, whatever it is. Find time in our busy lives. And I know many people here and at home are incredibly busy. And that's why contemplative, reflective prayer with room for silence is so important. And we have got an opportunity uh, tonight and through the Sundays of Lent uh, to have um, a contemplative prayer time provided by Elizabeth and Joe uh, throughout Lent. You might find uh, doing it on your own better, but if you want to do it communally, and there is a power in communal silence, being silent with others, then please do uh, join us on those evenings. So honouring the season of Lent is a countercultural prophetic act. The world says that the individual is the centre of their life and that ascent is the only way. Lent offers us an alternative way, the way of descent, the way of sinking into God, going deeper rather than the way of climbing a ladder, the way of letting go rather than holding on, the way of humility and gratitude rather than entitlement. So in our Lent groups this week, and we are studying uh, Richard Carter uh, book, called The City is Our Monastery. Um, We aim to look this week at the place of silence in our lives, a place where hopefully we can listen and rediscover the power and value of well-chosen words, a place of simplicity and subtraction rather than complexity and adding so that we can appreciate what we have, a place of emptiness so that we can then sense the full potential of a full life. So I just want to end with a quote from Thomas Merton. If we really want prayer, we have to give it time. We must slow down to a human tempo and we'll begin to have time to listen. And as soon as we listen to what's going on, things will begin to take shape by themselves. But for this, we have to experience time in a new way. The reason why we don't take time is the feeling that we have to keep moving. This is a real sickness in today's world. 
Today, time is a commodity, and for each one of us, time is mortgaged. We must approach the whole idea of time in a new way. We live in the fullness of time. Every moment is God's own time, his kairos. The whole thing boils down to giving ourselves in prayer a chance to realize that we have what we seek. We don't have to rush after it. It is there all the time. And if we give it time, it will make itself known to us. Amen. I don't know if you, like me, struggle to know how to pray for the situation in the world just now. I was once guided to some words of Anthony Bloom when I was asking how to pray for others, and I thought I would just read them before we pray together. Intercession is very often with us that we've seen a need or have become aware of a tragedy, and then from the security of our living, we turn to God and say, Oh Lord, haven't you noticed that? What are you doing about it? And this and that. Aren't you forgetful of your duties to us? This is not intercession. Intercession is a Latin word which means to take a step that brings you to the center of the conflict. To stand as Jesus does in solidarity with everyone. Jesus is not God for the good versus the bad, the believers versus the unbelievers. He's made himself solid with everyone. God is the one who stands at the middle of history, who stands at the breaking point of the storm and he calls us to stand where he stands, to be involved, to be committed to life and death within the storm. So let us pray. I invite you now to pray with me for the peoples of Ukraine and for their leaders in all the horror that they are living through at this time. I invite you to stand with God at the breaking point of the storm and to ask God to bless them. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Now I invite you to pray with me for the peoples of Russia and for their leaders in all that they're being told and being asked to do at this time. I invite you to stand with God at the breaking point of the storm and to ask God to bless them. God, in your mercy, 
hear our prayer. And we acknowledge to God now our fears and concerns in the light of this conflict, our own and the concerns of many other people and nations. So let us stand with God at the breaking point of this storm and pray for peace. Let us also ask God's guidance as to what part each of us can play in seeking to bring peace in this world. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray now for our community here at St. James's as we seek to draw closer to you, God, this Lent. We pray for your blessing on our Lent home groups as they start this week and on our vestry as they meet and consider what you are calling us to. And as we seek to build links with the local community here in Leith, we ask for your guidance and for your blessing on the community music session this week. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray now for those we know who are in distress or need at this time. And I'm going to read you the Etty Hellison quote that we've got on the wall here. There is a really deep well inside me and in it dwells God. Sometimes I'm there too. And that is all we can manage these days. And also, all that really matters, that we safeguard that little piece of you, God, in ourselves. So we pray that they would join God in that place. We pray too for ourselves that over the coming week we would come home to God and open ourselves in moments of silence and stillness to God's transformation. God, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Amen. Suzanne, this isn't in the script. Um, I would like to sing Kyrie again. Is that okay? Ukrainian Kyrie. And then we'll have um, the New Zealand Lord's Prayer. So, uh, Suzanne, if you didn't mind leading us in the Ukrainian Kyrie.
Thank you, Suzanne. May the love of God surround you, the passion of God inspire you, of Jesus inspire you, and the wisdom of the Spirit guide your thoughts and actions today and during this coming week. Amen. And we sing a very simple Amen to finish. We're trying to create a bit of space in the music as well this week. Um, it's one we've sung before. It's the one that goes Amen, Amen, Hallelujah, Amen. So we'll sing it all together a couple of times. Folks on Zoom, please sing with us. You can jangle your keys or tap your tables. And uh, we'll divide into a four-part round and I'll, I'll give you a sign. When is your section? Amen.